0: What do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What's going on, guys? Royale with cheese here, episode number thirty. Am I, I correct? Think it's thirty. We've yeah, hit, we've hit a mark. 30. We've hit a mark. Oh, that's that's over halfway to fifty, guys. Yeah, that I means mean, you've listened to thirty or oh, twenty-nine. This Pretty is a big bad day. movie critic episodes, I would say. But anyways, coronavirus. Everyone, we're all sitting here in yeah. quarantine watching probably a lot of movies, TV shows, binging Tiger King, as we all have done. And we're back on our second part to our Corona week. Exactly, yes. Uh, so, basically, like we said in the beginning, uh, we've been watching all the quarantine virus movies, and we're going to tell you what we think about each and every single one of them. Yeah, so we got an interesting three this week. We got The Thing, adrenal Strain, and 28 Weeks Later. Now, I guess before we get into this, we're we did take out a couple of the movies that we originally planned on watching because we decided they were actually not that good of movies, 100%. and we'd rather not watch them. Yeah. Uh So basically, we're just gonna start off with one of I know Seth and my favorite movies is The Thing. Now, The Thing is comes out in 1982. It's actually a remake from a 1950s movie. And uh, when it was first made, it was not received that well from critics. It's uh, directed by John Carpenter, and uh, you got Kurt Russell as the main lead in it. Oh, Kurt Russell. It's a fairly lower-budget horror movie. Obviously, you got John Carpenter, who did Halloween back then. And this is, I think, I don't even want to say it's a second. Don't quote me on that one. But um, this is one of his first couple movies, you know. And uh, it uses, it relies on practical effects throughout the whole movie, which really makes it, like, stand up, I think, for all of time. Yeah, I think... Go go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say that it's not really a... It's a virus movie in the sense of, like, this alien life form is infecting everyone. So that's why it's kind of on this. And they're definitely, they're in Antarctica. It's this group of, like research team in Antarctica and they start getting hunted by this alien thing that can change its appearances to whoever it eats next like it absorbs them it can look like them then yeah so it's a virus ask I was just going to go on about how why we like it so much and one of the reasons is the practical effects which I think most anyone that talks anything about movies is going to say practical effects is better than well most of the time practical effects outlives other stuff yeah, hundred percent. Because C- yeah, CGI keeps getting better and better. So, so old ones look exactly bad. old movies with a ton of CGI just don't hold up anymore. And especially as you see, like even if you go back and watch like Inve- Avengers, for example, at the time that was crazy, but the whole thing is all green screen and CGI, and now it doesn't even it holds up, I guess, but it doesn't look anything near as good as the. Yeah, I think that was a bad the example. Thing. How is that back then? That's only eight years ago, and already no, doesn't look well, that great. I, I, think, I think Avengers still looks great. I, mean, I think yeah, it looks okay. No, I'd even say Transformers, it, the first one looks really good still. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying Avengers is like it's not a really good color scheme. It's kind of dark because they had to use it to make the yeah, good okay, CGI and stuff that. like that. What I'm saying is like you can still notice it. Like It's a noticeable CGI in green screens throughout yeah, the whole movie. I just movie. think practical effects is better, period. Yeah, I, I, I think mean, they last longer, and also it does look better because I think when your eyes are looking at something that's like computer-generated, they automatically can tell versus if it's, like, a real thing, which practical effects are. Yeah, but I would say there's problems with, like, certain things. Like, I think really the only way they could do something like Transformers or Avengers, to the extent they do it, is with CGI. Is yeah, with CGI. I, I agree, yeah. I mean, oh, no, 100%. there's not much they could do. But this, this is very interesting because they could do practical effects because it's basically all based in one little square because they have the building... And they have another building. And well, that's yeah, basically that, that's, that's why they were able to keep uh, the budget down for this movie is because, like Seth said, the set is very and small and secluded mostly. I mean, And the background is just snow. Exactly, so. yeah, they didn't have to do too much with that. Um, I just want to say this movie was not, like I said before, was not critically well-received. It has a 57 critic score. Um, but yet this low. movie, uh, over almost 30 years later, actually, my bad, almost 40 years later, has garnered so much praise and attention, and a lot of people have it in their easily their top fifty favorite movies. Oh, and this is only an hour and forty nine minute movie, so that's always a plus side. Exactly, and the one thing I wanted to say is I have did a little research on it. Is that um, many people blame E. T. for the reason this movie flopped so hard at the box office because uh, a week before E. T. obviously comes out and. The whole story of E.T. is this this extraterrestrial but it's like this nice friendly one that you want to be friends with like you want your kid to be friends with like it's real nice and then the thing comes out a week later with an extraterrestrial that's only goals to kill everyone in sight so a lot of people blame that and just 1982 was also just filled with sci-fi like thrillers like you had the thing you had Blade Runner you had Star Trek Wrath of Khan I mean you had a ton of movies coming out that year to compete for that sci-fi and I feel like these people maybe just got burnt out on sci-fi but I just always thought it's crazy because if you look at today, like you'd be hard pressed to find people that hate this movie. But I yeah. guess in 1982, I mean, just the praise was not there. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is one of Kurt Russell's best roles. I mean, we have him in the Hateful Eight, which I think he plays a great role. One time in Hollywood, one time in Hollywood. But I, I do think this is one of his best movies, and I, I know Caleb mentioned it while we were watching the movie, but. He definitely is different in this movie compared to him older. It's like almost he's not two different people because his voice is so distinct, yeah that like you can easily pull him apart like even if he's in a cartoon, you could probably guess that's Kurt Russell, but from him going from a young age acting to an old age acting, he really is a little bit different, yeah, yeah I mean he can you can tell he's a lot more he's a lot more serious in the thing versus yeah. like oh, things sure. like hateful eight, but that's also a little Tarantino. You know, he's a little more like funny, but he's also in like things like Big Trouble in Little China, which is another John Carpenter movie, which is not as serious, you know, as The Thing, for example. But um, I mean, let's get, let's get into the movie a little bit. I mean, this movie opens with a very confusing scene. Uh, basically, a helicopter is chasing down this wolf, and it, the the helicopter is full of Swedish people, Swedish researchers, and they're shooting at it. And this wolf runs into the American research facility. And the Swedish, obviously, there's a language barrier to start shooting at it. And so, obviously, the Americans shoot back and kill them. Yeah. I mean, so, it basically, then this thing slowly takes over person to person. And, like, you never know who's actually a real person or who's part of, like, the alien virus thing, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely can see how if you've never seen the movie before and you watch it how it actually like I'm not gonna say shocking because I'm I'd hope you'd kind of see it coming but it kind of is a little bit shocking like if you don't know what's gonna happen now I knew what was gonna happen because I've seen it two or three times before yeah but like the first time I watched it it was actually like I mean you didn't really know what it was it was kind of like I guess I could compare it to it reminds me a lot of Colorado Space, or Colorado Space reminds me a lot of yeah, the thing. That's, yeah, I kind of agree with the way these so, practical effects... Yeah, yeah, Um I just feel like this movie... I think John Carpenter in general is one of the best to build up suspense. Like, even if you think about Halloween, how simple Halloween is, the whole movie is suspense virtually. I mean, there's a couple jump scares and stuff like that, but the movie is basically all suspense building up with the music. And that's another thing I want to hit on. The score of the thing is just... Crazy good. I mean, it's just one of those scores that just like lives on forever in your head, you know, kind of like Jaws or Jurassic Park. But what I'm saying is, John Carpenter, his ability to build up suspense is like you're sitting there and you're constantly like pointing fingers, like, okay, is he infected? Is actually he infected? Like, because you don't know, everything happens off screen, so you're kind of in the same shoes of Kurt Russell because it's all kind of from his perspective, and you're sitting there like you only see what he sees. And you don't know who's infected, and you can if after a couple watches, you know you can start seeing like how things yeah. happen and who got bit or whatever. So I just find this movie to be like super suspenseful, and that's why I think it's a horror movie. I, I, there are actually a couple of creepy parts, but like yeah, I mean, it's I'd more say, of a thriller almost. I'd say the aliens very unique, where most things that I've seen haven't yeah. done it, especially in 1950. I mean, granted, the older we go back, probably the less movies I've seen. But even nowadays, like I said, the best comparison of this thing would probably be Color Out of Space. And I really haven't seen any other movies that's like this. Because you really don't know what it is. And you really don't know how it works. Basically, it somehow... Crash landed. No, well, I'm saying like how it works. Oh, how, yeah, yeah. Basically, either it bites you or something like that. I think it has to get like a hold of your bloodstream and then basically you turn into it slowly and yeah. you don't know what it is. Like it's not like a pronounced alien. Like it's just kinda like a creature. Yeah. And uh the one thing that I think they do that's pretty unique to this movie, I would say, is there's not a lot of guns used. Yeah. Instead the focus is on flamethrowers, yeah. which I just think is a great addition. Like it's well, so such like kind of a small thing to add because like you could, they could have easily just done guns or something, but flamethrowers just adds an extra like kind of craziness and yeah. like yeah well, I think it was a really good choice going with flamethrowers versus like just a gun because this is cool. Let's just be real, flamethrowers are cool. Well, that's I really mean, the only way to kill it is by burning. Yeah, it. it's true too, which also helps a lot. But um, yeah, I would agree. Um, so I really liked it. I think it's one of the. Uh, I, like it's definitely in my top probably twenty five for sure movies ever. I think it's one of the greatest horror movies ever made. I think it cracks my top ten horror. Hey, no, movies. it's my top ten horror too. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, I also think a really cool perspective in the thing that we can relate to right now is um, just like they're sitting there and they're constantly blaming the craziness on being quarant like the being quarantined up just around each other the whole time. Makes things so much worse because people start losing it and like they're just you don't know who's who, who's bad. And it just adds to this like sense of like there's no real escape because they're in Antarctica, right? So they have to figure out they can't just like leave. Like it's, yeah. it's a big deal, which I think is a good perspective, you know? Yeah, I'd agree, and I'd say I guess bringing back to kind of a more of our modern situation with everyone being in quarantine, as you guys can probably see, people that have a little bit of anxiety. Probably their anxiety is amped through the roof now, and you can probably tell that they're they're not freaking out, but they're a little bit on edge, yeah. or a lot on edge in comparison to what they normally are, and that's kind of how it plays out on the thing with them being all in one, not one building, like yeah, yeah, and that's also I was gonna say one of my favorite parts of the movie is uh, the doctor, yes, the doctor yeah. figures out kind of what's going on before anyone else. And he just loses it. Wait, no. He was the biologist. Was he the biologist? Yeah, he the biologist. The doctor. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, he figures out that this is, thing is, like, going person to person, infecting them. And he just loses it. He destroys everything. Because he knows this virus or this alien thing, its only goal in life is to keep spreading, to stay alive. Yeah. His so name, he, he, His name was Dr. Cooper. Yeah, yeah. I believe. So he knows... He's screwed if this thing gets out. So he just destroys all the radio equipment, destroys anything. Because he's like, basically... It spreads. He's, so he's like, basically, we're not going to stop it. So we just need this thing to die di- and die here. Like, it, yeah. we can't let it get out anywhere else. Just let it die here in Antarctica. Yeah, because nothing can survive that cold weather. Yeah. And it, or at least if it can survive, it would be frozen like it did in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And uh a little... I mean, you got, I just going to say a l- little spoiler... No, not yet. I, I, I do you got any nitpicks with this movie? That's what I was first gonna say. Honestly, I really liked how it's done. Yeah, I didn't really have too many nitpicks. I mean, I, I guess like, <laughs> I mean, I guess there's like a couple strange parts, like the basement. I don't even know where that came from, <laughs> or like how it can just literally drill through ice. Like remember in Doctor Cooper's when they where they chained him up it literally drilled a hole down through it to put where it's spaceship it was building oh yeah, yeah like how can it just drill through ice like that the only nitpick i had was in the very beginning when the swede goes to throw the grenade and he actually throws no, it behind funny. him and blows up the helicopter like it was just so like yes it was funny but the whole thing is this movie's like more serious tone yeah. so them doing that i was just kind of like What the heck? Like, it just felt real cheesy to me. That was my only, like, I I guess nitpick with the whole movie. Also, why are they throwing grenades at the dog? Like, the chances of it actually hitting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, what'd you give it? Uh, I give it a 10 out of 10. I mean, this is... I mean, I think this movie is one of the best... Has one of the best suspenseful movies. Great soundtrack and... I mean, great score. I mean, I just loved it. I also have it at a 10 out of 10. Uh, I guess... Moving on to a little bit more modern, a little bit, Andromeda it? No, Andromeda strain is not Wait, more. A little strain. less modern. <laughs> less yeah, modern. yeah, it's about 10 years before 1972, correct? 72. Yep. 71. No, 71. 71. So it's and 11, 11, 11 years earlier, uh, Andromeda strain is based off a book by uh, Michael Crean who wrote Jurassic Park. Um, and the Congo and things like that. Um, this movie also doesn't have a great Metascore. It comes in at sixty. Uh, directed by Robert Weiss, and um, I mean it, it's very. Now this movie is a very almost Slow in the vein burner. of. Yeah, that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> this movie is more in the vein of like a Contagion, in the sense yeah, it more focuses on like the virus and how it reacts versus like personal live stories and drama character drama also my opinion which i think most people would agree with me very very anticlimactic. uh that is true but that's a little spoiler seth come on now (laughs) No, uh, so basically what happens is a team of top scientists work feverishly in a secret state-of-the-art laboratory to discover what has killed the citizens of a small town and learn how this deadly contagion can be stopped. So basically what happens is, like I said, um, a meteorite hits this like small town. It comes near them and they all basically go crazy and their blood thickens and they die like almost instantly. Except for a baby and an old man. Yeah. Only two people that survived this. So what they're doing, they get brought to this laboratory. And this laboratory has five different levels. And each level gets a little more cleaner and a little more, like, high tech or whatever. And it takes, like, 16 hours to clean yourself to get to the fifth level. Because there can be nothing even in your gut. No bacteria. Like, it's crazy. Like, this whole process. And so that's how the whole movie takes place. It basically is they go through all these different procedures, how to get down there, and they basically um, just go through and try to see the virus and see how it acts and reacts with different things and why these two people, a baby and this old man, survive versus no one else in this town. Yeah. Um, I would just say, I guess going into a little bit of Michael Creed and how you can tell this is a Michael Creed movie, is if you've ever read any of his books, especially like Jurassic Park and stuff like that, he goes off on tangents of, like, into the scientific world and just, like, you kind of get lost on what he's trying to say. And this was probably his perfect, like, in his eyes, perfect book where he could break down science Yeah, behind um, everything. Michael Caine, yeah. Like Kill was saying, there's literally five different levels of stages they have to go through to clean their bodies. Yeah, and it goes very in detail about all these things. Now, I'm not even saying these things are all scientifically correct, but it goes into the scientific process of each thing and how they would all work and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is, obviously it's a '70s movie and it has the feel of a '70s movie in a lot of aspects. And a couple of things that I liked is they use like a multiple frames in each in a couple shots, you know, yeah, to portray like what they're looking at and then what they look like when they're looking at things. Just kind of a cool thing that you don't see often. Um, the cuts feel real old school, like, real, like, I don't know, fade in, fade out cuts. Like, that you don't really yeah. see in movies today. Usually most cuts are, like, quick cuts. But they use, like, actually different cut, like, transitioning and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and honestly, like, if this was, like, a true story, like, so, like, the coronavirus has, like, a low, I guess, fatality rate. Fatality rate, rate yeah. This virus has, like, borderline 100% fatality, right? Except for this kid, this baby, and this really, really old man. Those are the only people that lived. So, like, it legitimately killed everyone else out off. And there was even, like, military people spying because they saw something happened right, at this place. Yeah. And... Well, they knew that comet or the yeah. asteroid was what going What it hit. was is it was a biological uh It was, catch- it was a satellite, satellite yeah, a satellite that was trying bi- to catch yeah, but- biological yeah, yeah. weapons, basically, or, to yeah. harness. Because it was the 70s, obviously, Cold War. The book was written in the 60s, so yeah. it was like the height of the Cold War, you know, kind of in there. And it fell from, mm-hmm. the, from outer space to Earth, and basically they were tracking it. Well, it kills off this whole town, and it spreads fairly quick, and it's airborne so it also yeah. kills these two people like up probably a mile away tracking it Yeah, uh, I mean they specifically chose the scientists the actors to play them to not look like super good looking or anything because they didn't want to be distracting they just wanted to look like everyday people that would be scientists so I think that was actually a good choice because yeah. this movie how it is very smart Um, the whole set design is really cool and something to look at it kind of feels like a 2001 Space Odyssey like each like cleaning process feels very, like, Stanley Kubrick and very intricate and detailed. Yeah. And, obviously, it all comes from the book, which Mug Korean lays out in pages and pages on pages yeah. of how everything's done exactly the same. But It um, really just feels like an outer space, like they're in a spaceship. That's honestly how it feels, like they're in a spaceship. Yeah. Because all the doors work and everything. Yeah, and um, Seth, Seth's right. This movie, it drags um, extremely hard, kind of, in the whole middle i guess i mean this movie's too long i feel like and nothing much really happens except for like 15 minutes of the whole movie you know i definitely think they could have took it down 41 minutes and made it an hour and a half very easily yeah it's just it's cool to watch but i'm not gonna sit here and say like this was like a great fun watch no i'd say it's a cool concept yeah, it's cool for a book because you use your, um, I guess, imagination behind it. But something like a movie, it's kind of almost repetitive because almost everything looks the same. and Yeah, I, I would just say well, the things that really helped this movie also really hurt this movie. Like, while it is science-heavy throughout and the tension doesn't rise until the very end it just feels like way too long and it just feels like you're watching the same scenes over and over and over again. Basically like each cleaning process, like you're just kind of rewatching the same thing, you know, happen. And like, that's the thing is like, this is cool in the sense of like, it's not just like a zombie virus movie. It's actually different. It feels different, but also because it doesn't have any real character development or anything. It also, it's hard to feel attached to anybody in this movie or feel for this movie And, uh, spoiler spoiler alert, like Seth was saying, at the end of it, it just gets, like, nothing happens. Basically, the virus mutates and now it's not lethal anymore. Yeah. Like, that's the ending. Kind of just like, uh, oh. Yeah, exactly. Just wasted two hours eh, and 11 minutes of my life. exactly. And that's why I don't think this movie got a lot of critical praise. It just feels kind of unnecessary, I guess. Well, also, I mean, I guess probably my biggest nitpick... Which, easily, they could have took it out. You obviously knew it was going to happen. So the the only dude that's not married and really doesn't have any relatives around, he gets the key to stop the place from blowing up. So basically, if anything goes south, the place will self-destruct so the virus doesn't make it out of there, right? And only one guy has the key to turn that off. And the reason being it's him is because he basically has no ties really to the world. Yeah. So he's not gonna be like, "Oh, I want to see my family." He's gonna have more of like a grasp on, "Hey, this can't get out to the whole world or destroy the whole world." It's not about me. And so then, in turn, you know, in the end, a scene's gonna happen where the place is gonna self-destruct, which happens. And my nitpick behind it all is, they only put like one key slot for you to turn off the self-destruct thing on each level yeah it feels this really thing forced. being is there's four or six doors that close so unless you're in that exact room you can't turn it off basically yeah that's what I was gonna say is like the ending the suspense that they put in there just feels really forced like it didn't oh, need to be like that it, it was a hundred percent forced And the only reason they did that is because of the ending like and that's true yeah uh so what'd you give it Seth? I gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, that's exactly what I gave it to. I just wasn't in love with it. just wasn't invested. Yeah, it. I mean, I'm not it saying I'll like never a- revisit because there was some cool things he did. Like I said, the transitions, the multi multiple shops, shots per frame. Well, it wasn't an awful movie at all. No, it was, it was just, just kind of slow. Yeah, and- it's true. And also, we watched it kind of late at night, too, which probably didn't help in that sense, but yeah. Sure. Uh, moving on. To our third and final movie of the podcast. Yeah, we have 28 Weeks Later, which is basically like every other movie where, or every other sequel where you have the first movie low budget and then the first movie does really well and then it turns into a really large budget second movie and you can always tell they take a little bit away from the story for effects. Yeah, so tw- 28 Weeks Later is obviously the sequel to 28 Days Later, which we talked about two podcasts ago. And uh, it comes out five years after. And it's no longer directed by um, Sam Raimi anymore. It's now directed by uh, Juan Carlos Fresen-Dio. Um Obviously, this time, though, it has a bigger cast. Obviously, they have Jeremy Renner. And obviously, Jeremy Renner's not super big at this point either, so I can't really give him like too much credit. But he's in this movie, plays a main role. Um, this movie just feels really... Um, I don't know kind of same thing with Andromeda Strain the reasons that the the things it does better is better because they have more money but also because it has a bigger budget it really suffers a lot okay so what they did with their money is they did obviously a way bigger like wide shots they did a ton of wide shots yeah they had a lot of extras they had yeah, yeah and just like they put more detail into the zombies so like they could Hold your attention on the zombies, like in the first one, they never really had like the shots like they had with the dad. Yeah, you know where it sat on him for a quick minute. Like in the first one, it was kind of like you saw him coming by or you see him running up the stairs quickly. Like yep. it wasn't like a shot on shot of a zombie, like and holding it there. And the, I think that's what happened with the money. And they also had like the helicopter scene where the helicopter comes down and chops off a bunch of. Zombies' heads. It was a pretty cool kill scene. Yeah, called. it was. Honestly, it was really cool, but that's what another thing they did with their money, which probably cost a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of like CGI. And a lot of uh, like vehicles. Yeah, this movie just has a way bigger scope, and because of the way bigger scope, it lacks the intimacy of the first one, where the first one really focuses on like, characters, two, three people, you know, and really digs into them. This movie feels like you're not really following anyone. Even though, I will say, though, the best part of this movie is the beginning first five minutes i think the or maybe 10 minutes yeah that was 10 minutes is one of the best zombie scenes i've ever seen in any movie it's super like intense thriller like crazy it kind of feels like how you would act it out i just i think that very first scene for me redeems so much of the movie yeah the first scene was awesome yeah uh so basically, is this little synopsis? It's six months after the rage of virus was inflicted on the population. Of Great Britain, the U.S. Army helps to secure a small area of London for the survivors to repopulate and start again. But not everything goes according to plan. I have uh, one big nitpick, but I'll, I'll give it later. Um, obviously, it's focused on this family. Yeah. And the drama that ensues the whole family. I'm not. I'm not gonna spoil it really with the family cuz that's basically the whole movie. Yeah, but also I was going to say is the whole like backbone I guess of the movie which it really doesn't have one cuz this movie is so like more focused on this like zombie kills and cool shots than it is on actually like developing anything. Oh, for sure. Because the whole backbone of this movie really doesn't make any sense. Like basically you find out people can be affected but not fully infected. And it just it just creates yeah. a lot of obviously it's what causes all the drama, but well, I don't know. It just feels... It's like they had natural antibodies to it. Yeah, but they're still infected though. So they they don't they don't have like the symptoms of the zombie, but they can still pass it. So it's like they're a carrier. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're not a carrier till they're bit. And I mean, there's just a lot in this movie, like. The zombies. If we're just, just breaking down the zombies in comparison to other movies. Like World War Z, the zombies are pretty dumb. They're only attracted to sound, really. And for some reason, they're the quickest zombies you've ever seen. And sure. pile up on top of each other. Don't break anything. To go after... They'll do anything to go after food or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, And then you have, like... I am Legend, which really isn't zombies; they're more mutant vampires esque things. Yeah, and they're just—I I guess you really couldn't even put them in the zombie category. I guess then you have like Walking Dead, which are really slow, pretty dumb. Yeah, ah, uh, but just yeah, can break things. You know, they're probably like the more realistic, except they live forever. I think I think the Twenty Eight Days Later series has like the fastest turning zombies. Because we're talking like twenty seconds. In World War Z, it's three minutes. I thought, or something like that. It's a span between like ten seconds and three minutes. So like, the one guy turns in ten seconds, and the other ones turn in like three minutes. The the only difference though with the weeks, which they go into more of the zombies, is they're more human esque. I guess like they're smart. Yeah, they're actually like legitimately really smart. And like they can pick up items and beat you with it, yeah,' you're see, just that was, like exactly that was a whole nother thing is like they have this whole <laughs> subplot of being chased down by one in particular zombie throughout the whole movie, pretty much, and it's just i I don't know it's the first one I think succeeds so much because it's more of almost a character study on like what happens during the apocalypse, and this one was more focused on the apocalypse itself, and like I said before, that's where it just falls well, falls it so short. It doesn't make any sense. These zombies, like, they're after just beating and killing these people. They're not after turning them, or, like, normal zombies are after just eating flesh because yeah, they're hungry. Like, sense. he picks up a gun and literally beats somebody with it. Like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it was pretty disappointing. This movie would be a lot lower rating if it wasn't for that first scene, personally. Uh, what would you end up giving this movie, Seth? Um... I gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, Same here. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I gave uh, Days a 7, I believe. I I mean, this movie is kind of, like, up. It has cool scenes. You know, in the sense of, like, it has one really cool thing about it that brings it up for everybody. But in reality, if you, like, take that out... Is not nearly as good as most things. Well, I'd say it has a couple cool scenes and a couple cool shots. Like the shots where the, fog, the or the gas is coming through London and they do an upper. Yeah, yeah. There's just like fun. View. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some fun kills and stuff like that. And there's some, Which there's just comes with to the joy. But it just feels so empty. This movie feels so empty. You don't really care about any of the characters. It doesn't go into any of the characters. Oh, for sure. And then it has this whole subplot that doesn't no, really I make disagree. sense. You really only care for one person. Can you guess which person I'm going to say? Jeremy Renner? Yeah. Yeah. That's really the only person you care for. Because he's really the only one out for the greater good. Sure. Yeah. He's an American sniper. Special Forces. Yeah. And I was going to say, I had a nitpick. I mean, there's a ton of nitpicks. Yeah, but it was like really... Oh, yeah. So this dad, uh, what's his face? Don? Yeah. Yeah. He has, obviously, he's high up, but not in the military. He's high up in the village, right, or the town, whatever. Yeah. So, so he basically runs that motel. Yeah. Is really what his job is. He runs the whole motel. Yeah, or or a yeah. Or skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. He runs the whole skyscraper. How does he have access to all the U.S. military... Medical things. I guess who's trusting him? I have that, no clue. That makes no sense at all. Like absolutely no sense. Or like the zombies know how to use key cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh what? so this movie's enjoyable. Maybe just watch the first scene and turn it off. Honestly <laughs> that that would be like a cool like clip scene. Yeah, I agree. The ten minutes and it's like a ten minute clip. Yeah. It's basically as deep as the whole movie gets for the rest. so you're not like missing anything by watching the other hour and 20 minutes of it you know yeah that's a good point yeah right you it like you, you get as, just as much detail as you do in the first 10 minutes so all right yeah uh i guess another thing coming up i don't know if we said i mean i'm assuming this is yeah, yeah the I end mean, of the podcast. we're gonna do the, our pixar series so if you follow us on instagram you know that we're doing a pixar series what what's the your favorite what's your worst yeah we're uh, trying to get a poll and then we'll Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to combine both of our favorites, do kind of like a point system, and then make a Royale with Cheese official top 22? 22 Pixar movies? Something something like that. I don't know. Pixar list, and then we'll do a whole podcast breaking down our list. I would also like to review, we could probably do it in one episode, the Pixar clips. Yeah, that'd be cool. Are you talking about like the... Shorts, the shorts, yeah, oh, yeah like fun. the before movies, because they only ha- they have as many as in the movie, but they're only like yeah, maybe we can just talk about some of our three minutes ones. long, yeah, yeah. I th- I do think the Pixar shorts are, are some one of the best. Thing- works. Yeah, some <laughs> of the things that like really set it Pixar apart is by having these like little three minute shorts, and I think are just most of them are absolutely genius and awesome. Yeah, I personally, I think oh for sure. It will- I I think when you only have three minutes to use, you put the best stuff you have in it. You're not sitting there and you're not doing it's film. really tight. Yeah, yeah, you're not doing film. Yeah, exactly. So you're gonna do what's the most meaning. And like some of it's just kinda wild oh, if yeah. I'm yeah. being honest. That's, yeah, they don't really don't hold they don't hold back on a lot of times animation styles or stuff like that. So it's really enjoyable. Yeah. Uh so basically there's one more quarantine coronavirus esque episode that we'll do our Pixar ratings. And yeah, then so we'll give see us a from there. there. Yeah. On uh Instagram, Royal Cheese Podcast. DM us and with any questions. And also, RoyalCheeseGmail.com royalcheese Podcast at podcast gmail.com, at gmail.com. Yeah, If you have any questions, concerns, guys, that's three episodes. Hopefully this is actually episode three because I could be wrong. But, until next time. Peace out, guys. Yep.